As I watched as the congregation's faces as Rusty was sharing his story, I am reminded of, of sometimes how little we really know about the complexities of our personal lives and how much it matters to call a church home and how much it matters to have a group of people who are just not simply church members, but family. Thank you, Rusty. Last week in Josh's sermon, he invited us to reorient our all-too-human focus from earning salvation to the real deal of our faith, which is God's mission for those blessed to be members of the body of Christ, the church. In the catechism included in the Book of Common Prayer, also referred to as an outline of the faith, this question is posed. What is the mission of the church? And the answer provided is this. The mission of the church is to restore all people to unity with God and each other in Christ. My diocesan bishop, when I served in Connecticut, Ian Douglas, he would often remark, the church doesn't have a mission. God has a mission for the church. And hearing that said so many times over and over by Ian and experiencing the organic ways in which we discover who God truly has called us to be in relationship to one another in the body of Christ, I think Ian was spot on. It is at the heart of what Josh preached last week. Mark was not talking about earning salvation. That was impossible. But on the infinite love of God in Jesus Christ, who has already gifted us with eternal life, with salvation and redemption, our mission, then, should we choose to accept it, is to become like the one we receive, like Jesus, lover and servant of all. Although we no longer use kingdom language as easily or as comfortably as in Jesus' time, we are invited by virtue of our baptism to live into the vision of the kingdom of God, the relatedness of one of us with each other and with all creation. Some scholars have referred to this as the commonwealth of God, the commonwealth of God in Christ, a common wealth in which the abundant blessings of God are freely experienced and shared among all, for all. A place of abundance, of possibility, of hope, and of abundant life. We human beings get so caught up on an eye for an eye, if this, then that kind of thinking, constructing relationships based on transactions. Well, if I do this, then I expect that, or if I work this hard, then I deserve that. We sometimes can lose perspective that Jesus himself is trying so desperately to teach his closest and most intimate friends and disciples. 
as in last week's challenge to us to listen beyond and perhaps even in spite of our own human limitations, we sometimes hold ourselves hostage to self-worth and success, possessions, status, credentials, titles, fill in the blank. It's not difficult to find for me the some real empathy for these hapless disciples, even as they still do not really get the meaning of what Jesus' words were to them in this gospel. That he was traveling in their company to Jerusalem, and it would mean his death. I know that they must have struggled terribly with the impact of what that message was. So they don't wish to acknowledge the pain of the message and its impact on their lives or the sacrifices that they had already made to follow him. It's the denial at work in the human mind and spirit, the kind of thinking and living that if I don't acknowledge it, it will go away. Or if I don't believe it, it wasn't the truth in the first place. These hapless disciples resume their all-too-human survival response. Let's just pivot and redirect this pretty disheartening conversation and ask, what's in it for me? Three times now in the Gospel of Mark, these same disciples have chosen selective hearing as Jesus shares the news of his impending death. And twice now, Jesus has redirected their desire for greatness. He's already told them that to save their life, they must lose it. He's told them that they must become more like children in order to enter the kingdom of God. And he has emphasized his own suffering and death all three times. Three strikeouts for these disciples. And still, Jesus does not give up on them any more than he will ever give up on us. My heart aches also for the human Jesus, whose own heart must have been broken wide open in each of these conversations with those he loved. The miracle that is that Jesus, human and divine, who makes this journey to Jerusalem in the company of those who still resist his mission, persists in speaking truth to power. In the final scene of the gospel text today, Jesus announces his mission. In all of Mark's gospel, this is the only time Jesus says a word about his personal mission. Jesus' words are, For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. It's as succinct a sentence as Jesus could have spoken aloud. But so it is for us. Hearing Jesus for the third time to offer the truth of his journey to Jerusalem, his mission to be servant of all, is the most sacred mission he has to offer. And he offers us that mission by his very witness and life. And so the journey to Jerusalem continues one full of healing, hope, 
and servanthood, not only of impending death. In her book, Learning to Walk in the Dark, Barbara Brown Taylor writes this, Darkness is short for anything that scares me, either because I'm sure I do not have the resources to survive it, or because I do not want to find out. If I had my way, I would eliminate everything from chronic back pain to the fear of the devil in my life and in the lives of those I love. At least, I hope I would. The problem is this. When, despite my best efforts, the lights have gone off in my life, plunging me into the kind of darkness that turns my knees to water, the truth is, I have not died. The monsters have not dragged me out of bed and taken me to their lair. Instead, I have learned things in the dark that I could never have learned in the light, things that have saved my life over and over again, so that there is really only one logical conclusion. I need darkness as much as I need light. Both are blessings. For certain, the text from Mark is indeed a dark time for Jesus and the life of the disciples. It's terrifying, and the immediate human inclination is to deny it, and so they try. And yet Jesus, in the very midst of this darkness too, continues to give witness to what true faith in him really does look like. It looks like love. It looks like love for God, love for neighbors, and love for oneself. It continues to look like compassion, compassion for others in need, compassion for ourselves when we are in need. It looks like forgiveness, forgiveness that we can extend to others, self-forgiveness that we can accept for our own. It continues to look like servanthood, to serve those in need, to serve those in whom we are in primary relationship, to serve creation, the abundant blessings that it thrives and needs and the care it deserves from us. My friends, these disciples are easy targets for criticism. And if the truth be told, we are more like them than we would like to admit, or at least I am. Like them, we are terrified of the dark, and it is so much easier to be distracted by what the next move in our life might be, how we might at least appear to be more in control than we are, or more successful than we had hoped ourselves to be, or too busy with the important things in life to take time out to serve, the kind of serving that involves real sacrifice. Yes, there's much that can terrify us and paralyze us if we give in to the wallowing and waiting, waiting to be consumed by darkness. But what if, what if we learned to walk in the dark? 
What if we take on some reason, some opportunity to serve, to use our gifts and the blessings we have received so that we might become a blessing for others? Think about Rusty's story. Today we begin the season of generosity here at Reconciliation, or so we say when the truth of the matter is that the witness of Jesus Christ is all about love, generosity of spirit beyond life itself, day in and day out, regardless of the season of life that we find ourselves in. Stewardship and generosity are ways of living our lives day in and day out, and it does not end in a season. Every season is the season of generosity, of gratitude, of loving kindness, of self-compassion, of self-forgiveness, of standing up and becoming more and more like the one we receive at this sacred table. So how will you listen to the words of Jesus as making a claim on your life? How will the great needs of those around us move us through our own times of darkness and orient our lives to a life of servanthood on behalf of others and creation? How will you look into the mirror and see a reflection of which you are not ashamed or embarrassed or sad or hopeless? And how will you see your reflection staring back at you and see your belovedness as you eat meet other beloveds on the way. There is much to learn in the dark, and there is much light that we can share. And we never do this alone, just as Rusty was saying. We walk by faith, and Jesus walks behind us, before us, above us, and below us, every step of the way, just as he did on that Emmaus road with the disciples. How are we called, then? to go further here from Church of Reconciliation together with Jesus and one another. Let's keep the conversation, the discernment, and the urgency of God's mission for the church, not our mission for the church. God's mission for the church. How do we keep that alive and boldly live into it? May you and I recommit ourselves in faith to going further together in Christ. Amen.